here's a million dollar idea I'm just gonna give away for free. Uh, you want to invent something and uh, make millions of dollars on it? Invent a washable mattress. Because we're just putting on clean sheets onto a dirty mattress. If you could figure out a way to make that foldable, washable, and comfortable, you'd have a million dollar idea. Everyone would be going out to buy the clean mattress. Also, there's a lot of planes flying over the house today. And I read that uh, an alleged or alleged lottery thief uh, is now stealing money from cars at the casino. Uh, so that guy's bad news. Get rid of him. Good news is today we're going to explore American poet Langston Hughes. I'm going to dig right in here. James Mercer Langston Hughes, born February 1st, 1901, was an American poet, social activist, novelist, playwright, and columnist from Joplin, Missouri. He moved to New York City as a young man where he made his career. One of the earliest innovators of the then-new literary art form called jazz poetry, Hughes is best known as a leader of the Harlem Renaissance. He famously wrote about the period that <clears throat> the Negro was in vogue which was later paraphrased as when Harlem was in vogue. Growing up in a series of Midwestern towns, Hughes became a prolific writer at an early age. He graduated from high school in Cleveland, Ohio, and soon began studies at Columbia University in New York City. Although he dropped out, he gained notice from New York publishers, first in the Crisis magazine and then from book publishers, and became known in the creative community in Harlem. He eventually graduated from Lincoln University. In addition to poetry, Hughes wrote plays and short stories. He also published several nonfiction works from 1942 to 1962 as the civil rights movement was gaining traction. He wrote an in-depth weekly column in a leading black newspaper, the Chicago Defender. I'm trying to find a sort of balance between uh, information dump here and exploring something a little deeper, but uh, keeping it brief, so uh, bear with me. Uh, but I do think it's interesting that these uh, the poets that lived in uh, this time, like a time beyond our time or before our time, are pretty much across the board accused of homosexuality without any proof. I don't know if that's just something that uh, bullies at the time did discredit them or at some level <clears throat> or uh, like uh, like it's like he's gay, so his poetry isn't going to hit right or I don't know. Uh, I think we... Uh, kind of have to explore or at least wonder who's reading poetry throughout time and when is it a medium that's really sort of being discussed I guess uh, and is it being discussed by laymans or uh, normal people that are outside of uh, the academic world I don't know I never lived in a time when uh, my friends got together and uh, talked about the new poem that's out I mean I think it's an even more dead form than the novel in that way because you could kind of say, oh, did you read this book? And someone's like, oh, no, I didn't read it. And you can lend them the book. But yeah, you don't hear anybody go, oh, did you read that poem? Let me lend it to you. And perhaps that's because of the way that we uh, package them. Uh, so is Langston Hughes gay? I don't know. But uh, people, of course, have, have thought about it. And uh, academics and biographers believe that Hughes was homosexual and influenced and included homosexual codes in many of his poems. So this kind of like reeks a conspiracy theory to me that, that there's homosexual codes in his poem. But they say Walt Whitman did this too, who Hughes said influenced his poetry. Hughes' story, Blessed Assurance, deals with a father's anger over his son's queerness. 
The biographer Aldridge argues that in order to retain the respect and support of black churches and organizations and avoid exasperating his precarious financial situation, Hughes remained closeted. Uh, Langston Hughes dies uh, in a polyclinic in New York City at the age of 65 from complications after abdominal surgery related to prostate cancer. So what a way to go. His ashes are interred beneath the floor medallion in the middle of the foyer in the center of, for research in black culture in Harlem. It is the entrance of an auditorium named for him. The design on the floor is an African cosmogram entitled Rivers. The title is taken from his poem, The Negro River Speaks. The Negro Speaks of Rivers, which the center of the cosmogram is the line, My soul has grown deep like the river. So here's Langston Hughes's The Negro River Speaks. I've known rivers. I've known rivers ancient as the world and older than the flow of human blood in human veins. My soul has grown deep like the rivers. I bathed in the Euphrates when dawns were young. I built my hut near the Congo and it lulled me to sleep. I looked upon the Nile and raised the pyramids above it. I heard the singing of the Mississippi when Abe Lincoln went down to New Orleans. And I've seen its muddy bosom turned all golden in the sunset. I've known rivers, ancient dusky rivers. My soul has grown deep like the rivers. Kind of reminds me of a blues uh, song. Now they're both kind of operating on the same uh, same kind of line, you know? It's like a deeply prophetic blues song. It's kind of like something that Leon Bridges would cover or something. Uh, according to Hughes, the poem was written while he was 17 and on a train crossing the Mississippi River on the way to visit his father in Mexico in 1920. 20 years after its publication, Hughes suggests the poem be turned into a Hollywood film. Huh. The poem was covered by jazz musician Gary Bartz, so it does have that sort of jazz blue feel, and it's known as jazz poetry, which is cool. You can kind of see it, can't you? The smoke and the saxophones playing, it's all kind of blue dim light. <laughs> Hughes and his contemporaries had different goals and aspirations in the black middle class. Hughes and his fellows tried to depict the low life in their art, that is, the real lives of blacks in the lower social economic strata. They criticized the divisions and prejudices within the black community based on skin color. Hughes wrote what would be considered their manifesto, The Negro Artist and the Racial Mountain. And this is Hughes. The younger Negro artists who creates now intend to express our individual dark-skinned selves without fear or shame. If white people are pleased, we are glad. If they are not, it doesn't matter. We know we are beautiful and ugly, too. The tom-tom cries and the tom-tom laughs. If colored people are pleased, we are glad. If they are not... The displeasure doesn't matter either. We built our temples for tomorrow, strong as we know how, and we stand on top of the mountain, free within ourselves. Now, that's not even a poem. That's just a manifesto. That's just this guy saying stuff, and it's literally like bleeding poetry. It's like this rhythmic sort of self-possessed thing, which, uh, I mean, that's great. Good for him. I uh, have a little bit on Hughes and communism, but I think we're going to have to skip it to keep this uh, brief. So I just want to read uh, one last poem by Langston Hughes. Uh, this is I Too Sing, America. That is the, the poem that was based on Walt Whitman's A Song of Myself, which we explored in episode three. 
So this is Langston Hughes, I too sing America, I too sing America, I am the darker brother. They send me to eat in the kitchen when company comes. But I laugh and eat well and grow strong. Tomorrow, I'll be at the table when company comes. Nobody will dare say to me, eat in the kitchen. Then, besides, they'll see how beautiful I am and be ashamed. I too am America. And that's I too sing America. I too, a poem by Langston Hughes that recalls Walt Whitman's, or witty as we call him, I sing of myself, which I thought was an absolute joy. Uh, I'll leave you with my poem about chickens. My neighbors have chickens. They sit inside a fence right there on the street, a busy street, for everyone to see. My city has an ordinance, can't have their chickens. But the chickens are fat and well-groomed, and why inflict pain on a neighbor who loves their chickens by making a public history? health issue out of it. It's like one day you wake up and decide, because you are some sort of noble idiot, that your neighbors should be chickens, and the whole neighborhood, or neighboring noble idiots, have decided their neighbors should be chickens. And it's a startling thing that by keeping a secret, you may become a community. That's my poem, Chickens. Uh, tune in next week. This should be airing sometime in September, so uh, yeah, tune in next week. We're going to explore Shell Silverstein, I believe. All right, till next time. Peace and love, peace and love. Beef, Jackie. Remember, you can submit your own poems to be read on the podcast at... What are poems podcast at gmail.com. I look forward to more people writing and sharing poetry. Uh, peace and love, peace and love, beef, Jackie.